0: Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's panic meter day on the Minnesota football party. What has these guys concerned about the Vikings offseason? We'll talk about it next. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's a Reggie Wilson Wednesday on the Minnesota Football Party. Welcome in. I'm Sam Ekstrom. I'm on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom, part of the Ron Johnson Show, the Minnesota Football Party, and Minnesota Sports Rankum. Luke Inman joins, as he does every day. He's at Luke underscore Spinman on Twitter, author of the NFL Draft Buzz newsletter, which you can subscribe to for free at slash newsletters. And Reggie Wilson, The Kara Levin, sports anchor, sports director. He joins us today as he does every Wednesday, every Friday. He's on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV. It is June 28th, fellas. We're counting down the days now to training camp. I think we are T-minus less than 30 days until the Vikings report. Uh, That's very exciting. Only a few more weeks to get through until the pads can be popping once again. Uh, But today we're going to talk about panic. We're going to talk about all the issues that concern us with the Minnesota Vikings and discuss our level of anxiety over those issues. We're going to to dive headfirst into that after I remind folks that we are presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's an official sportsbook partner of Locked On. You can make every moment more at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. All right. If you're if you're watching on YouTube, you see the panic meter rundown. We've got four topics, at least, that we're going to get into here. I want you to give Reggie and Luke a panic meter status. So if you are super concerned, you're at a code red. If you're in the middle, you're on the fence. And if you are just breezy, uh, not concerned at all, you're resting easy. You know, you are just smooth sailing for you. You're not sweating it. One bit. So Reggie, let's start with you. I'm looking at a handful of guys that have not signed contracts. Daniel Hunter, no contract. TJ Hawkinson, no contract. Justin Jefferson, no contract. And I think most Vikings fans would like to see all three of those guys ink something before the season. Uh panic meter status for you, Reggie. No contracts have been signed yet. What do you think?
2: Well, I think it just depends like on who. Like, because if it's Daniil Hunter, I think it's a little bit of a cold red, because you're like, uh, why hasn't anything happened yet? And training camp, you know, it is what less than 30 days away, but you would think that you would want to get your Pro Bowl pass rusher in tow. So the more this thing goes, it's like, okay, what's the idea here? Like, what are they gonna do? What what's are they gonna try to keep them? Are they going to really, are they really going to trade this guy? Like, is that going to be a thing? And they're just going to try to manufacture a pass rush, just however they can this upcoming season. Like what's going to happen here. And then if you're, if you're talking Hawk and JJ, I think I'm resting easy. I I don't really think Hawk is too concerned. Like, I think he, he would, I mean, I'm sure he would love a new contract, same with Jefferson. I think he would love a new contract, and I think he deserves one. Um, I think both guys are a matter of when, not if. And so I'm resting a little easy on those guys. These guys
0: are on their break. They're probably not negotiating their contracts right now. Like, this probably will not get resolved for any of them for at least a month. So we should probably be be okay with that, having to wait for a while. Um And they very well could get done early in camp. So I'm holding out hope that they all get done. But I'm also not resting easy. With Daniel Hunter, there is a clear impasse that they've reached. It's contentious, right? The Justin Jefferson report that the Vikings aren't in a rush does raise a little red flag for me. Not a code red flag, but just a little little tiny red flag. Um, What message does that send to Justin Jefferson? What I haven't done enough to, to to get this extension? Why? Like why? I'd like my signing bonus now. Why? Why can't we do it now? Um, I don't know if you want to play that game with Justin Jefferson and and what are you what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for him to get hurt and lose value? Are you waiting for him to like take a step back and lose value? I, I guess you're if you're trying to be strategic about it, you are signing him at his literally most valuable moment. He may never be more valuable as a pro. Because nothing really bad has ever happened in his career uh, that would damage his value whatsoever. He's so young, he's so valuable, um, but it, it does kind of just give me a little unsettling feeling. Now, let me ask you guys this: TJ Hawkinson and Deniel Hunter are both going into contract years now. With Deniel, you know it, it's contentious, right? And, and he's on the older side, twenty-eight years old—not old, but older than Hawkinson. Um, and I think even if the Vikings keep him around this year, probably in the back of our minds, we assume that it's not going to be a long-term marriage with Daniel Hunter. It's pr- he might not be here in in three years, uh, even if they sign something short-term. But with Hawkinson, this is a 25-year-old piece that you traded for. If they it would, what would be more concerning to you if they punted on extending Hawkinson, or if they punted on extending? Uh, Daniil Hunter, Reggie, which of those two do you think is the the number one priority?
2: I feel like it's a one A, one B type situation. Like I don't think you want to lose Daniel. I, I may see where you are like, well, you know, the injury history, blah, blah, blah. But with the trade that they pulled off last year to get Hawkinson and him being a key piece in that offense, I just don't think you want to lose that guy for nothing. And if so, it's just like, okay, what were these trades for? You know, I think
0: mm-hmm.
2: they kind of look at it like, oh, well, you know, maybe an extension of the draft class because, yeah, you you last year you get seen, you get booth, you get all these guys, and then you get Hawk as well. And he's still on a rookie deal. I just don't think you want to lose a guy like that, especially someone who is shown to be a productive member of the offense, even in his short time there, having to learn a new offense on the fly. He was very productive. And I just don't think you want to lose a guy like that. They went into the season last year. and You were like, who's going to play tight end? Like who's, who's going to be like the main person? And then, you know, they they were they were doing okay with the guys that they had. You know, Johnny Muntz out here catching passes. You're like, oh, okay, I, I didn't see the vision, but I guess I see it now. But then when they got hockey, it was like, okay, this makes so much more sense. Like, this guy's a bona fide threat. Yeah, he'll drop a pass here or there. You're like, what are you doing? But the guy is as solid as they come. Red zone threat. Kirk seems to love throwing to him. So I just don't think you want to lose a guy like that for nothing. Like I said, if so, it's like, well, what was that trade for? You gave up some good draft capital to get a guy like that, only to let him walk? Doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. you, you, you could argue TJ Hawkinson's a top five tight end in the league. And even having said that, You could argue that Daniil Hunter may be more important piece to the puzzle for this Vikings team in 2023. That's how important and how good, just how talented when healthy Daniil Hunter is. Top 10 in quarterback pressures and quarterback hits last year. Been doing it every single year since he's been a full starter under Mike Zimmer. The fact that of these two guys you gave up premium draft picks for one of them. It's just an absolute no-brainer at that point that, for example, I won't be a code red if they don't extend them this summer during training camp, Sam. I don't know the projections or the numbers for next year's cap, but i got to imagine, guys, after cleaning so much house, cleaning so many big names, so many big inflated veteran contracts, they're going to have more than enough money to not only retain guys like Hawkinson, their core nucleus players, but also spend a little bit of money as well. Even with a looming Kirk Cousins, whether it's dead cap, you extend them again for a year or two, whatever that may be, there should still be plenty of pocket change left over to re-sign guys like Hawkinson. So I think it's going to be a mute point at the end of the day. But Reggie's right. The fact that you gave up draft picks, premium draft picks for one of these guys, makes him a far bigger priority.
0: Yeah, and depending on what Addison does, um you could be risking if you don't extend Hawkinson losing your second and third best pass catching threats with yeah. Osborne hitting free agency and Hawkinson hitting free agency, you got to lock him down. I think that is maybe even my my number one priority over Daniil as opposed to to letting him hit free agency and losing him. Uh, uh, I,
1: just real quick, I, I know there was some, I don't want to say rumors, but speculation during the midst of Kwesi cleaning house this offseason. It sounded like the Vikings were on track to be in the top 10, if not top five in cap space next year. I'm just curious if anybody has any updated numbers or a little bit better idea of the ballpark of what they're going to be looking at next year. And again, there's a lot of different variables. Are they going to re-sign JJ or extend him to a massive contract? What are they going to do with Kirk? Two monster contracts and a lot of money is going to be shifted for the good or the bad either way. But it feels like they're going to be in a position to be able to spend some money next year.
0: Yeah, that's a good Luke Braun question too, because he's very mm-hmm. good at, at tracking future cap um, spot track, which is not you know gospel by any means. They've got the Vikings at 13th in cap space available right now for next year, 37 okay. million. Um, and again, that could change. That's with Kirk
1: off the books. I'm assuming they project it just because Uh, he's the free agent next year.
0: Well, well, he 28 million dead though. Okay. But eating the 28 though. Yeah. Eating the 20. that's with
1: 28. Yeah. So you still got to go pay another quarterback though, to be your starter. Could be a Jaron Hall, could be a rookie on a rookie deal. So not necessarily doesn't mean for sure that it's going to be another 30 to 40 million, but got to keep those kind of pieces of the equation in the variable as well.
0: Yeah. Also, Marcus Davenport has uh, 6.8 million dead next year. Ugh. Wow. Realize that. Mm. That's gross. Um. All right. Uh, more panic meter topics coming up, including last year's first and second round picks, potentially starting the season as bench players or backups. Get into that after I remind folks that you can bet Major League Baseball at FanDuel.com. Uh, FanDuel.com slash locked on or the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Twins and Braves playing today at 1120. It's a matinee ball game. You can bet that and all the other Major League Baseball money lines, run lines. Uh, you can do a home run parlay. I've done that before. It's hard to win, but it's a whole lot of fun. There's lots of great promotions at FanDuel too, including the no sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, yes, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. Great promotions going on all the time at FanDuel. Easy to use. You get paid instantly when you win. No better place to bet this summer than at FanDuel. It's a partner with Major League Baseball, and Major League Baseball trademarks are used with permission. First round pick, Louis Scene. Seems to be the fourth safety right now in the Vikings depth chart. And Andrew Booth, I would argue, is the fourth cornerback on the Vikings depth chart right now, at least based on what I saw during OTAs and minicamp. So, Seen and Andrew Booth, two big pieces, I think, uh, in Kwesi's first draft. First pick, second pick, and uh, here they are, potentially looking at a week one where they start the season on the bench as backups. Panic meter, Luke Inman.
1: I think here's the question I ask myself with Seen, Would he be starting right now with the ones if there was no Josh Metellus on the roster or no Cam Bynum right now? And I asked myself that because of the injury, right? Terrible, gruesome, brutal injury. And it's amazing that he's been able to recover so quickly and get back out of the field. I think that surprised us all. That was like the A topic the first week of OTAs. I can't believe Lewisine Sean is already out here. I'm still not 100% sold. That they want to rush him back out there and have him flying around with the ones quite yet especially when you do have two capable guys and depth pieces who have starting experience with bynum and metellus that just allows you to baby him along even more so i think unfortunately first scene but great for brian flores by the way the safety group just happens to be arguably maybe the best depth of any position on the entire team i think the real test We'll be middle of training camp, maybe 10 days in when things start heating up a little bit more. Then we'll have a much better idea where coaches are when it comes to like their confidence level and scene and the long-term plan they have for them. So I'm kind of on the fence with that one. I think the biggest reason I'm on the fence is because we didn't get to see him last year start or run with the ones at all during training camp or preseason. So the fact that he didn't break through with the starters last year, slightly concerning. And I think fans are just still kind of waiting for that first time with their own eyes once and for all to see him finally running with a once just for some peace of mind that, okay, this guy can do it. They babied him along a little bit because he was a rookie during training camp and preseason. They had Cam Bynum, and then obviously he got hurt, so they're babying him along this year as well. As far as Booth goes, I mean, kind of the same with Scene. he's basically a rookie all over again, right? Like he played in, what, a game and a half, I want to say, last year think he got dinged up in that Dallas game, battled a lot of nagging injuries again, and now he's got a completely new coaching scheme and, and new playbook he's got to digest and get up to speed. That's a lot for a young kid. I know Devil's advocate can say, well, if that's the case, then why is Makai Blackman getting some starting reps with the ones as well? That's more than fair to ask, I think. It, it just may be a case of Andrew Booth has not shown the coaches, what they need to see yet as far as him being up to speed and winning his starting job. Physically, when he's healthy, he's got the goods. I, I mean, the tape coming out of Clemson was rock solid, but he's had a really hard time putting it all together, staying healthy for long stretches for years. This goes back uh, before his Clemson days, all the way going back to high school. And I think the biggest problem is the guy can't build any momentum for long periods of time where you can just stay out on the field, develop and progress, learn from some mistake, make some plays, build that confidence up, and that inability to stay on the field, that's got me out of code red there, Sam, especially knowing the lack of depth and just talent at cornerback outside of Byron Murphy. You would think a guy like Andrew Booth, a top 40 pick just last year, would be able to pierce the starting roster and at least in nickel situations be running with the ones when there's three cornerbacks out on the field
0: yeah reg
2: yeah i think um a little bit of a cold red on booth and not because it's not because of like his lack of ability or or whatever he's he showed i think it's last year during training camp we saw flashes he's an aggressive guy he takes some chances and and He needs to learn from some of those mistakes. I think the reason why it's a code red is for a lot of the reasons that Luke said, like you have to build some momentum, but you can't do it when you're not out there. And if he's not able to stay on the field, I know like the injury concern is probably a reason why he dropped to that second round Mm -hmm. and he was a really good value at that second round. But we've seen guys who may have had like an injury question in college, go to the league and just be, absolutely iron man but maybe you're hoping that this past season was just a blip he can stay healthy moving forward and and contribute but like when you're dinged up nicks and and bruises and and all these things that are keeping you out of practice and all that like that just becomes a barrier for you to build any type of momentum to, you know, because cornerback is one of those positions where you kind of need to build that momentum. You kind of need to to get some reps in so that you can just get a feel. You know, cornerback is a lot of getting a feel for the game. They're like a they're like a, a defensive point guard or something like that. You're like, uh, oh, do I play this one? Do I? Do I try to jump the passing lane and, and get the steal to try to take it for you know an easy layup on the other end? And you know, sometimes you your feel is wrong. You you make the wrong move, and now you know you got a guy popping the three when your back is turned. Um, and we saw that in training camp. Booth kind of making some plays. He gets a little handsy, you know, those will probably incur some flags and things like that. But like he doesn't know how to like learn and and develop in the pro game if he doesn't stay on the field. And so I think those were probably my biggest concerns of where he is concerned. Like, hopefully he can stay healthy. We, we can see him stay on the field and he can maximize what the Vikings feel like his potential is as a player in this league. But it's, it's, uh it's a little cold reddish for me. As far as scene mm-hmm. goes, I think it's kind of been cold reddish. I, I thought that it was interesting last year that, He didn't see the field much on defense, if at all. And the one time that, you know, he was hurt, he's playing special teams. And so it's just like, wow, you drafted a guy in the first round to to throw him on special teams. And then he breaks his leg and now he's set back even more. And I think I've said it before with you guys, like the biggest thing for me is, he was kind of drafted because he was looked at as kind of like a ready-made player to just plug in mm-hmm. and be able to play and he hasn't been that guy just yet. And I hope he's fully healed and and ready to compete and and learn yet another new defense in the second year in the league and compete but like I just don't know and and then you got guys like Metellus. you got guys like Cam Bynum emerging. And now it is looking like it's just going to be really hard for him and the competition should be fine. You know, he should want to compete for a job and he's a young guy. He should be able to compete for the job. But now it's just getting a little bit, you know, hairy. and he was looked at as kind of like the the heir apparent to Harrison Smith. And now you're like, well, I'm not really sure what to think about him, but put him out there, see what he can do. But if he's not outplaying Metellus or Bynum as a first round pick, a guy that you really invest a guy that you didn't take Jamison Williams for Luke or <laughs> Kyle <laughs> Hamilton or oh my God, all God. those guys Davis. that were there. And you're like, okay, we're, we're going to get, we're going to trade back and we'll take Lewis Cena And we feel good about that. Like, man, it's going to be rough looking at Kwesi in this draft for, from last year, if they can't, like pull some good guys out of this thing.
1: Just real quick to Reggie's point. I know he's half joking about the Jamison Williams, but Kyle Hamilton, again, he was a safety. So I think just subconsciously, we're all just always going to compare him to Kyle Hamilton. And Hamilton started out to get a little slow. You look at his PFF numbers, though, the second half of the season. Dude balled out. He was great. And granted, yes, you moved back. You gained extra picks. You were able to use some of those extra picks to acquire TJ Hawkinson. So there's a ton of different variables to this. I think the draft is truly the catalyst in the NFL to have long-sustaining winning windows and build those Super Bowl windows, I guess, in the NFL. You can go from worst to first. Look at the Seahawks and what they did after crushing one draft. And I just think quasi has got a lot of pressure on this first draft class. To start churning out some not just starters but some real playmakers here and build this new nucleus and foundation of young guys and guys just need to step up and when your first and second pick isn't on the field, yes, we're at a code red and I think for good reason.
0: Yeah, are we going to look back on uh, on Scene versus Hamilton as like Trey Wayne's versus Marcus Peters because that that Ugh, was that the big still haunts me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I'm resting a little easier on scene because I think that it underrates Cam Bynum, like to say that scene should be starting for sure. I I, I think that Cam Bynum went into last year as the incumbent. And I, I think that he deserved to be there. Um, So I was okay with scene, not winning the job as a rookie and then he got hurt right after four weeks. So the time on task that he has compared to a guy like Metellus is just the, the discrepancy is so great that it, it does make sense to me why Metellus is getting the precedent here, especially in um OTAs and minicamp. Just because he's the fourth-year guy, he's been on the field a whole lot more in his NFL career. Now, if we go the whole year and there's just no room for scene whatsoever, yeah, that, then then I get closer to code red. Um, and we'll see, you know, we'll see how creative Brian Flores is. Now, I tend to think that. And this applies to Booth. I think we might see more of a rotation than than we did kind of in in previous eras. I think we could see like up to five cornerbacks work their way in, and I think that goes to maybe mitigate some of the injury risk for all of them. Like if if Evans and Booth and Murphy are all taking a little bit of load off during the game and working other in other players, that might actually help them all in the long term. And maybe that's their view. Maybe their viewpoint is, all right, we don't have the most talent, but as a group in aggregate, we are going to get the job done by staying fresh, staying fast um, and, and staying physical Uh, with, with booth. I just, I don't trust him at all to stay on the field. Like I, I, just think that his injury history is too daunting at the moment for me to really buy into him being a week one starter and then playing the whole season. I would just be holding my breath um, to see, you know, how he responds the first time he's got to make an open field tackle. So he's probably a little more code red for me, um, guys. I, I want to ask you about the O line because the Vikings didn't do anything, you know, on the offensive line. They brought back Garrett Bradbury almost in an effort to run it back, get the same group together, and do it all again. Ed Ingram's their right guard. Massive struggles last year. The backups are all the same. Really, the only difference is uh, they got a UDFA named Allen Ali. There's not really anyone new in there. It's, it's a lot of the same faces. Um, I think Kyle Hinton is gone. That's the only departure from last year's group. So panic meter, Reggie Wilson, the Vikings are running back an O-line that struggled last year.
2: You know, there's something to be said about continuity, and I think that's something that KO is probably looking at. You know, you bring back Bradbury, you hope that another year in the system with Ed Ingram, you know, he was highly regarded getting drafted, if not for maybe some of those character concerns, maybe he goes earlier in the draft last year. So I think you I think you look at that and you hope that with the, the office of line development, that they could take another step forward. You hope that Christian Dariusaw is is over the concussion issues that he had. You hope that Brian O'Neill comes back healthy from his devastating injury last season, and you you kind of see that you have some good depth, you know, with Schloeman, like the guy who can just kind of play either guard position. He could play center, and and you kind of have some some pieces in place. And I know there was some struggle there, but. I don't know. I think you just hope that another year in the system these guys will gel just a little bit more. Derisaw will continue to be. Derisaw Island as he coined. And and I think there is optimism that progress can be made uh, with these guys. Kind of, you know, there's so many people even Kirk Cousins just talking about how they were just kind of learning on the fly with the offense. And the offense had great success last year. Even with them kind of learning on the fly, you You hope that another year in the system, guys are just more comfortable. They know what to do. They're not thinking so much out there, and they're just able to go out there and play football, and you hope that that is what kind of helps the effort kind of push them from maybe middle of the pack to maybe a top 10 type of an offense because we did see strides with Garrett Bradbury. I don't know that we saw strides with Ed Ingram, but I think maybe his head was just spinning the whole time in general. And he just didn't show what it was that he showed in college to make him, you know, be drafted where he was and to win that starting job right out of the gate last year. So I think the, the interior of that of that line is probably the biggest concern for Vikings fans. But I think another year together, you know, I think Ezra Cleveland is pretty solid inside as well. He's probably the better. Not probably. He is at this point the better of the two guards that are starting right now. And Bradbury hopefully takes, you know, even more of a step forward. I mean, he earned this contract based on his play last year. So hopefully he continues to take a step forward and be steady with Kirk uh, moving forward. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I think there's optimism there that just gelling. You know, last year it was like, oh, they're they're just content to run this thing back. And we saw the success that the team had. Maybe they run this thing back with the O-line and maybe they find some success there too.
1: The Vikings starting offensive line from left to right. Christian Darrisaw, first-round pick. Ezra Cleveland, second-round pick. Garrett Bradbury, first-round pick. Ed Ingram, second-round pick. Brian O'Neill, second-round pick. All five second rounder higher picks. How many teams in the league have all five starting offensive linemen be a top 60 pick or higher? That's like an embarrassment of riches as far as a team building front office standpoint. If I'm Rick Spielman at the time when he was drafting all those guys or I'm Kwesi as of now, I'm going, what more do you want from me? It's up to the coaches at this point. i got you guys, the talented guys that you asked for. Now you got to develop them and progress them. And I will say two of the five I mean, they're studs, right? Dariusaw already looks like a 10-year perennial pro bowler. Brian O'Neill, hopefully he comes back from the injury, but he's as rock solid as they come at right tackle. I still think criminally underrated over there. Reggie's right. It's the interior. And one of the three, Ed Ingram, sorry, yeah, he went through his rookie lumps, but you're pot committed. I mean, that just comes with the territory. Now, again, it's up to Chris Cooper to develop his skill set, progress him a little bit. I thought he flashed as a, a run blocker, which is really good news because – When you look at a guy like Garrett Bradbury, I think he's a little limited in one-on-one situations. You can't leave him in too many one-on-one situations like we saw in the playoff game versus the Giants against a guy like Dexter Lawrence. He's just going to get outmatched. We just know who he is at this point. Having a guy like Ed Ingram being able to team up with him and help him double team and things like that, specifically in the run game, I think is going to be much improved, I think, in year two. Ezra Cleveland, I'm with you, Reg. I think he's pretty rock solid. Sure, he's got some mental lapses here or there. I don't know. I'd have to check the PFF grades, but he's got to be at least middle of the pack, it feels like, just from watching every game every year the last four years. I don't know what else really you can do from a team-building standpoint outside of going to trade the farm for a guy like, I don't know, Orlando Brown Jr., or whoever it may be, Ronnie Stanley from the Ravens, somebody like that, which you're just not going to do that. Going into the draft, we all said, yeah, it would be great to maybe grab a John Michael Schmitz from the University of Minnesota upgrade over Bradbury, but it was always like third or fourth in the pecking order. It was kind of one of those things that yeah, if it works out, great, but probably not our top priority. We have bigger needs. I think Reggie's right. I think they're really leaning in into the continuity this year. They're banking on having all five guys coming back this year. And as far as depth goes, I like Blake Brandle a lot as far as a backup left tackle. Wish we would see him on the right side a little bit. Sounds like there's a little competition who's going to be the week one starter if Brian O'Neill can't go between Oli Udo and Vaderian Lowe. But I will say they have been working Blake Brandle out at guard, which makes me feel a lot better just about his versatility because the depth on the interior worries me a little bit. Schlotman, Chris Reed. outside of that, there's not a lot going on there that makes you feel super confident if a starter were to go down, but it feels like Blake Brandle probably their top backup right now, and then again, maybe Vidarian Lowe can continue to progress. He was a rookie last year, and we'll see what happens with Ole but they've got the guys, and I think again, starting five, to have all five be first or second round draft picks, I don't know what more you can do at that point, Sam, from a team building standpoint again.
0: Yeah, you're right. They put in the draft capital for sure. I'm somewhere between on the fence and code red on this. Um, I am concerned almost as much about Garrett Bradbury, oddly, as I am Ed Ingram. And I have concerns about both. But again, with Bradbury, he had three pretty miserable years and then he had one fine year last year. So is he building on the fine year? Or does he regress back to what he was the previous three years? Again, um, they love Bradbury for everything he does before the snap. It's it's what looking at the defense, you know, diagnosing things, helping Kirk identify what's going on. All of that's great. Um, it's the three seconds between the snap. And when the play ends, that's where Bradbury struggles. And uh, I'm worried that he goes back to what he has been from a pass-blocking perspective. A couple things here, uh, statistically. Now, it's all relative, right, with this Vikings offensive line. So they actually had the fifth-highest percentage of dropbacks with pressures last year. Not great. Kirk Cousins, I should say, Kirk Cousins was the fifth-most pressured quarterback. However, it was the second-best pressure percentage that Kirk Cousins has ever had as a Viking. It's been much worse. 18, 19, 20, all those years were worse than it was last year. So maybe there's signs of improvement there somewhere. Um, But, you know, Ed Ingram might be the linchpin here, guys, because I think for him there's the most potential to improve being a first year guy going into his second year. I think he's the one who has the capacity to take big strides. Now, unfortunately, if you look back through the annals of PFF and try to evaluate some of the lowest ranking guards, do they ever, you know, suddenly turn into stars? Not very often. Usually if you have a year like he had, it doesn't bode well for your future. Um, Maybe he's the exception, but statistically speaking, it doesn't often happen that someone is kind of at the bottom of the league and then rises up to be great. It's kind of who you are. Um, So hopefully he can be a league average guard. Hopefully Garrett Bradbury can at least be what he was last year. Hopefully, like you hope that two out of the three – can take positive steps forward. You can't can't ask for too much, can't be greedy. You just hope that there's some kind of progress being made there along
1: that line. Don't forget, too, Bradbury was dinged up at the end of the season, too, and that mm. kind of became an issue there, too. Schlottman, Chris Reed here, there, going into that Green Bay game. And I'm just looking up his last four games, according to PFF, three of the four he graded 60 or below mm. the Giants game. 28 pff grade got to be one of the worst in the league so yeah that is concerning you're right sam that's a good point a lot of this does hinge john the ability for ed ingram to be able to progress and develop get a little bit stronger understand all his p's and q's and be able to help out a guy like garrett bradbury when he does need that help against these bigger stronger nose tackles that seem to be getting bigger stronger and faster every year because clearly again he does struggle in those one-on-one situations
0: uh, last one, guys, and it can, it can be a quick one. And remember, if you like the show, please subscribe on YouTube, Locked On Sports Minnesota. Find us free and available wherever you get podcasts. We really appreciate that. And comment below, what are some of your biggest panic meter items? Last one, and I've been talking to a lot of people about this, just the, the early schedule for the Vikings, September and October, fairly difficult. Um, I think we all assume Tampa can be a win. After that, Philly on the road, Chargers at home at Bryce Young and the Panthers in Carolina. that's kind of a, a maybe Then Kansas City, at Chicago, San Francisco and Green Bay. Five or six out of those eight are really tough tests. Uh, panic meter about the early season schedule, Reggie
2: i'm I'm chilling. I'm chilling, you know I've I've long contended since the schedule came out that um the vikings would be a nine win team and that nine wins would win the division mm. i'm still saying that but you mm-hmm. notice my volume is down a little bit lower <laughs> yeah. but i think um i think i'm not too concerned like the vikings have the offensive talent to compete with anybody like the the guys that they have and if they can bring jordan addison along if he doesn't have these injury issues linger towards the the training camp days and he can actually get some good days in and and really get up to speed with the offense and they can kind of work him in like you've got some bona fide guys on the offense with jj with hawkinson osborne and now you add addison into the mix and you got madison And whoever else is going to spell him behind him at the running back position. I think they have the type of offensive firepower to compete with anybody. But what's the defense going to look like? And I think some of these games, they might get a little hairy there. But I think that they will put themselves in position to win a bunch of games and put themselves in position to try to win the division. So I, I like yeah, it's gonna be really tough, and you hope to see them win at least half, if not more, of those games, uh, to start out. But I, I'm not, I'm not too worried. I'm, I'm sitting, feeling pretty breezy.
1: Yeah. As bad as the defense was last year under Ed Donatel, they really got lucky in a lot of ways when you just look at. They didn't face a a gauntlet of high-end elite quarterbacks last year. Remember, it was Rodgers twice, who wasn't the elite Rodgers we were used to. Jalen Hurts week two, Josh Allen week ten. That's about it. You had a lot of Mike Whites at home, Andy Dalton, Mac Jones, things like that. You look at this year's lineup. Uh, Brian Flores has his work cut out for him. I don't even think it's fair to compare this defense compared to last year's defense, black and white, because Brian Flores has a lot of things working against him, not only just the lack of talent that Ed Donatel had, but this schedule is brutal. Look at what they opened from week two to week five, like Sam said. Primetime again, you got Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Bryce Young, the number one overall pick, and then Patrick Mahomes. Four straight weeks to start your season with zero give or drop off as far as talent goes with the elite quarterback play. Plus, you got Russell Wilson. You got Joe Burrow. uh, Justin Fields is going to be better this year in year three. Surrounded by more talent, you get him twice. I think the rising quarterback play, that's where I start when I look at the schedule every year. The rising quarterback play is going to be really difficult for the defense to come away with not only the same results, just given how much talent they've lost, let alone be better as a statistical unit. I think Brian Flores got his work cut out for him.
0: Yeah. Here's in this schedule, for whatever reason, when it came out, it kind of hit me. And let's remember at the time that it came out, we still thought cook might be a Viking hunter might be a like, I guess Mm -hmm. we didn't really know the realities of this roster yet, but the schedule hit me a little easier when it came out, now that I'm looking at it a little more closely, I see a very winnable Week One. Like that is a bad team coming into your building. You should stomp them. Other than that, there are very few, and there are no gimme games per se in the NFL. But there aren't any gimme games. Like the the teams that you play that are maybe slightly worse than you, you play on the road, like at Carolina, at Chicago, at Green Bay, at Atlanta, at Denver, at the Raiders, I think that if you comp- if you stack up the offenses, for instance, I think that you-, you like the Vikings skill players in a lot of those games. But when you play them on the road, it just evens the playing field. And with that that porous defense, you just don't know what's going to happen. So it's very hard to-, to really give the Vikings any wins. And they've got a lot of really good opponents coming into their building. So while I don't think the Vikings are going to be completely out of any game here, um, it's going to be it's going to be tough to string wins together, I think with this schedule. So I do have some concerns about those, those early games while this defense is still figuring itself out. If you can start four and four, I think, I think I'd be pretty happy with that. And then maybe try to get hot in the later months of the season. But yeah, I don't know. Second glance, I'm a little more skeptical about, about the way this is going to shape up, um, you know, you get and you got to steal one. It's always about stealing a game or two. Last year, they stole Buffalo. They kind of stole Washington on the road. Those were just huge wins to get them up to that 13 win mark by the end of the season. Just massive, uh, guys. This was a lot of fun. We'll do it again on uh, on Friday with the roundtable, and Ron Johnson will join us. We've also got the Minnesota football party tomorrow with Arif Hasan and Luke Braun. This is what I want to talk about tomorrow if the vikings indeed need to win shootouts every week if this offense is the only thing that's going to keep them in games what kind of stats could we see from kirk cousins next year we're going to talk about kirk's statistical ceiling tomorrow on the football party reggie what's going on at care 11 tonight
2: <laughs> you know the nhl draft is tonight yeah, so yeah. we're we're talking that wild pick 21st we'll see who they who they pick we got oliver Moore. oliver, oliver Moore. Moore. he may oliver not be there Moore. he may what? or may not be there yeah. figure
1: it out go get your guys man
2: GGYG. <laughs> go get your guys yeah <laughs> so we're talking we're talking nhl drafted uh we we also um have a show coming up on friday we we went one-on-one with the new timberwolves draft pick so that was a lot of fun um, other than that, man, you know we're just we're creating content over here. You know, dog days of summer, be darn. You know, Lynx got the win last night. That was a pretty big win. Diamond Miller looks good coming back off that ankle injury. Big fee, not the little one. Nafisa Collier, she's uh, she's just killing it. Put her in the All Star game. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then uh, the the Loons play tonight as well, and they're coming off of a signing that you know they're kind of touting as one of the biggest um in the team's history with uh Timu Puki the the new striker that they got from the Premier League so uh I just love the fact that I can say Puki on air uh that's really cool Sam and, um, let's hear
1: it in your radio broadcast for Puki there
0: you go. Not, a, not as fun as Puka Nakua. That was our favorite. That was During, fun. Okay. Uh, yeah. during draft
2: yeah. season. But we'll, we'll, we'll uh, take was Timu Puki. So yeah. Other than that, you know, we're we're manufacturing content over at Care Eleven, doing what we got to do. So Love when that. the fans go
0: poo, they're not booing. Those are boos. They're not booing. They're no, no. pooking. They're exactly. pooking.
2: Exactly.
0: Um, yeah. All right. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> I, also, I I beg the links. Don't win too much because we got to get Caitlin Clark. You got to win the lottery, please. So don't, or don't win too much. Or Just like get throw one in here and there. Throw one in here and there. Page would be, page would be great. I'd love that too. Uh, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. Reggie Wilson at Reggie Wilson TV. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom. More show tomorrow. Sun and Luke Braun join on the Minnesota Football Party. So long.
2: Be blessed. Spread love.